welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Monday, December 6th. 2021 in the Gregorian calendar and the second of Tevet 5782 in the Hebrew calendar. I hope everyone really enjoyed Hanukkah. I know that I did. Now, let's get to the news. Israeli school kids are heading back to the classroom tomorrow, so that's Tuesday, after Hanukkah break. How cool is that, by the way? Hanukkah break? When I grew up, it was where I grew up, it was Christmas break. And we would get so excited if Hanukkah coincided with Christmas. So just keep that in mind because this, to me, this is very exciting just to think that kids are off for Hanukkah. Super awesome. Ministers approved a plan to require students to show a negative rapid COVID test in order to go back to school. Children in preschools and grades 1 to 6 will have to show a statement that their parents signed saying that they tested negative for COVID. This isn't a new practice, however. Kids were asked to show test results after the summer vacation and the break in September for the high holidays. An Israeli TV report says the government is considering offering a fourth COVID booster shot to immunocompromised people. The United Kingdom did just that last week. So far, 11 people in Israel have the Omicron variant, including a few Israeli soldiers who returned to the country from France. Several dozen more people are suspected to have this mutation, but are waiting for their COVID test results to come back. Currently, foreigners are not allowed to visit Israel. You have to be an Israeli citizen. Vaccinated people have to quarantine for three days, and when they return home to Israel, they have to be in isolation. The virus reproduction rate in Israel right now is around 1%. Anything under one means that the virus is contracting. Saturday, it was 0.98, and Sunday, it went up to one. So I think experts are hoping that the number remains around one or less. A Palestinian teenager rammed his vehicle into a military checkpoint in the West Bank very early this morning. The 16-year-old hails from Nablus and was shot by a guard at the Jabara checkpoint immediately after he rammed the car. He was taken to the hospital in Kfar Saba and pronounced dead when he got there. The Ministry of Defense put out a report saying that the teen got into an argument with his father, walked out of the house, took his father's car, and sped it over the sidewalk and through a concrete barrier once he reached the inspection post, and he hit the car into a guard on duty. He was then shot by the head of the security on premises. Palestinian media is reporting that Israeli forces later raided the family's home. The security guard is recovering in Sheba Medical Center near Tel Aviv and is in serious condition. He suffers injuries to his head, chest, and limbs. However, he is conscious. The guard is 34 years old. Defense Minister Benny Gantz is requiring stepped-up security at West Bank checkpoints and says that the security team acted exactly as they were trained and he commends them for their quickness during this heinous assault. A Palestinian man is dead after he attacked and stabbed a young Orthodox man with a knife in the old city of Jerusalem. The young man is recovering in the hospital. 
After knifing him, the terrorist turned to two border police officers and then tried to attack one and then the other. The officers shot at him. He fell to the ground wounded and died. The event was caught on video by multiple sources and at multiple different points. There are videos that show only certain points of this event, and, and that has been making a that has been making causing some chaos on social media. You can see gunfire popping off and people running away from the scene into the streets if you check out that video. Israelis are up in arms as news comes out that the United Nations listed Eliyahu David K as a settler who was killed in Israel versus a standard Israeli citizen killed in Israel. The UN keeps tallies of how many people died in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and K, the most recent, was wrongly identified as a settler, despite he lived in a proper Israeli city within the green lines of the 1967 armistice deal. He was living in the city of Modi'in. He comes from South Africa, joined the Israeli Defense Forces, and then was murdered in cold blood in the old city of Jerusalem. He was 26 years old. This was just a couple of weeks ago. He was on his way to work as a tour guide when he was killed by a Hamas terrorist who was working as a teacher for the Jerusalem municipality. Since 2008, the UN has been keeping score, and according to the site, 264 Israeli civilians were killed during the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. 100 were listed as settlers, 41 as civilians, and 123 as security force personnel. Over the weekend, the representative of Israel to the UN, Gilad Erdan, sent out a strong letter to the Secretary General and demanded that the data on the website be corrected. He also said, quote, The distinction between types of Israeli casualties not only raises doubts about the commitment of the UN to the principles accepted by international law, but also raises the troubling question of whether the UN and its agencies consider the cold-blooded murder of certain types of Israeli civilians as a justified act, question mark. Thank you to Ynet for that story. I didn't see it anywhere else. All right, now time for a little Israel Daily News podcast update. Our Instagram page has been removed without explanation from Instagram. Our website is down, and I've been working tirelessly to get it back up because there's a glitch somewhere between the domain provider and the landing page that I made. I'm working really hard to get everything back on track and want to say thank you to the fans who reached out to me to say that they're looking for the IsraelDaily.News Instagram page and can't find it. I asked one of the people that reached out to me if they are a podcast listener, and he said, actually, no, he only follows the Instagram page. So that is a clear indication. We have podcast listeners. We have people on Instagram. We have people that read our newsletter exclusively. You should have that in your inbox if you're signed up. That came out early this morning. So really, the Israel Daily News is a full-blown brand, and we have people that are consuming our content in many different ways. I'm working really hard to get everything back up. Clearly, it means we're doing something right if people are lost without our news content. I am going to keep working on these technical kinks after this show goes out today. Of course, I'm going to be back on it. I've been dealing with it. Now would be a great time to send over encouraging words about the show. If you have some encouraging words, the 
the Lord knows I need to hear some. And of course, if you are getting caught up on your Israel Daily News, we'd like you to consider sending over a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News slash support. The financial support that we get from subscribers helps us maintain our show and it helps us continue to grow and try to reach new audiences. Subscribers will get a handwritten thank you note and a little poem that I write myself to let you know how thrilled we are to have your support. I tried mailing out a thank you note to Australia yesterday, but apparently Australia is not accepting mail from abroad, and that's been going on since COVID started. That's what the man at the post office told me. So Monique Goodman, good luck in receiving the card that I mailed you. I put a bunch of postage on there and sent it off with a kiss. Hope that it makes its way to you. Eyal Liani here in Tel Aviv should be receiving his card as well soon. Thank you, Eyal, for your encouraging words and your financial support. It has been so encouraging to us. Thank you to the both of you for your interest in being up to date on Israeli affairs. And thank you to all the listeners here who are listening to the Israel Daily News and think that it's a priority to know what's going on in the Holy Land. Israeli politics are world politics. We have one central link in the show notes, which you can click on, and it'll take you to the page where you too can make a contribution and feel good knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. So check that out at israeldaily.news. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Two, you can share the show with a friend. And three, you can follow us on social media at israeldaily.news as well as Shanafold. That's my personal page. That's S-H-A-N-N-A-F-U-L-D. I'm going to be putting up some posts on my personal Instagram page soon. Picture of my travels and of the panel that I hosted at the beginning of last week. Israel is working on a plan that would give ownership at a low cost to Arabs living in properties that were declared absentee property in 1948. That's when Israel was declared a country. Haaretz reports that around 4,800 homes in Israel currently house Arabs and that the plan allows them to buy the property for a significantly reduced price, almost entirely subsidized. The Tel Aviv Jaffa Municipality, United Arab List Party, and a representative of the Prime Minister's office are all working together to figure out how to get this plan off the ground, but... The important part is that apparently Prime Minister Naftali Bennett himself is in consent. The properties are in Jaffa with about 1,200 residences there. The rest of the properties are spread about throughout the country in places like Lod, Ramle, Nazareth, Haifa, and others. The people who live in these homes are considered protected tenants. They can't be evicted for two generations. The Israel Land Authority is currently the official owner of these properties since the properties are considered absentee and since the absentee property law came into effect. Now, in 1996, the state started to sell some of these abandoned properties. Around 80 of them are sold each year. Now, the government wants to sell the properties to the protected tenants who are living in the homes today. Most residents cannot afford to buy out the home at the market price and they and they also do have the right to refuse it and because they can't afford it sometimes they have to refuse it the maximum discount is 320,000 shekels or $101,000 most cannot afford to cover the difference 
And because they can't cover that difference, they're forced to move out when the properties are sold at market price. Haaretz reports that the plan came to be when the United Arab List Party chairman Mansour Abbas and Tel Aviv Mayor Ron Huldai and the Cabinet Secretary Shalom Shlomo met to discuss the housing crisis recently. It's particularly time-sensitive in Jaffa because prices of homes are skyrocketing, with the average cost of an apartment in Ajami, which is a mostly Arab neighborhood in Jaffa, costs 4.9 million shekels, or 1.5 million dollars. Miss Universe, the huge pageant with women competing from all around the world, is being hosted in Israel in the city of Elat next Sunday night, Sunday going into Monday. Super awesome, but a little story came out from the Jerusalem Post today about Ms. Puerto Rico. She revealed that her great-grandfather was actually a Holocaust survivor. Danny Dayan, the Yad Vashem Holocaust Museum chairman and former consul general to New York for Israel, tweeted out a video clip of her telling the story. Let's hear a clip from Puerto Rico's Miss Universe contestant, Michelle Colon, as she spoke about her connection to Israel while standing at the Yad Vashem Holocaust Memorial and Museum in Jerusalem. Cheers. <laughs> but I came here to Israel knowing that I would be more connected to my family because my grandfather actually escaped from the Holocaust. And all of his other family members, his sisters, his brothers, even their daughters, four daughters, were killed in the concentration camps, especially in Auschwitz, with the rocks of the pebbles that you guys saw inside. And once I saw those pebbles, I knew that they were watching over me. And I know that right now, as Noah said, we are the ambassadors of our country. Wow, what moving words. The video has 88,000 views on it. Cologne says her grandfather, Rodolfo Cohn, lost all his family at Auschwitz and moved to the Caribbean to start over again. That's where he met Cologne's great-grandmother, who is the descendant of slaves who were brought to the island of Puerto Rico. South Africa's Ms. Universe contestant was actually pressured not to attend this year's competition because it's being hosted by Israel and the country wanted her to boycott it. However, she refused and will be in attendance. Ms. France tested positive for COVID and is healing and staying in isolation in a government hotel. I myself am going to be covering the Ms. Universe competition. I am... making it official today. I'm going to be covering it for the Israel Daily News. I will also be writing about it for the Jerusalem Post on a freelance basis. I'm going to be there Sunday in the middle of the night in Eilat. So you'll be getting the updates. You can check my Instagram if you want to feel like you're there with me. But that's in a week from now. So we'll be talking about it again as we get closer. All right. Well, that is it for today's show. Today is Monday, December 6th, 2021. Tel Aviv has a low of 14 degrees Celsius and a high of 22 degrees. That's 58 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 71 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out from Israel from throughout the week. So if you signed up, you should have it in your mailbox. Thank you to Michelle Milner for her social media work. I also want to mention that the song we played last week, the Hanukkah 
song 2.0 by Kosha Dills and Nisim Black was played on Z100, one of the most famous radio stations for pop music in New York City. And that was the first time that a Hanukkah song was played on that station and everyone was getting very excited about it. So kudos. Today, however, I'm going to send you off with Ten Shalva by Idan Tamler. He's an Israeli-American singer and he makes wonderful music. Enjoy this track. Have a great and productive day and an excellent week. Ten shalva belibi, haser safek mitochi, veishaer letzidi, haeret enai, vesimner leraglai, shetza, Shame, it's a good thing. I'm